And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West in the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is September the 12th. And you all ask for holidays and observances for each day. So I am, there we go. Slowly getting them. Yep, there we go. It's National Video Game Day. National Ants on a Log Day. National Chocolate Milkshake Day. National Day of Encouragement. If you know complete and total moron, go tell him you don't think he's a moron. National Policewoman Day. National Report Medicare Fraud Day. And United Nations Day for South-South Cooperation. I have no clue what that one's about, but you wanted it. Okay, September 12th. 255th day of the year. 110 days remain to the year's over with. 490 B.C., Battle of Marathon. Now, this is the conventionally accepted date for the Battle of Marathon. The Athenians and their Platean allies defeat the first Persian invasion force of Greece. The uh, <clears throat> it's fought between the citizens of Athens, aided by the Platea and the Persian force commanded by Datis and Artifimus. This battle is the culmination of the first attempt by the Persians under Darius to subjugate Greece. The Greek army inflicted a crushing defeat on a much larger Persian force, marked a turning point in the Greco-Persian Wars. You know, the Persians invaded the first time in response to an Athenian bomb at the Ionian Revolt. When Athens and Aridia sent a force to support the cities of Iona in their attempt to overthrow Persian rule. In other words, don't meddle. And you won't have things like this happening. 372, 16 kingdoms. Jin Zawudi, who was 10, succeeds his father, Jin John Wendy, as emperor of the Eastern Jin dynasty. 1213, having a job like that at 10 years old, I bet you had a hell of a retirement program. 1213, Albigensian Crusade. Simon de Montfort, 5th Earl of Leicester, defeats Peter II of Aragon in the Battle of Moret. 1229, Battle of Portopi. Organese army under the command of James I of Aragon uh, disembarks at the Santa Poncum, Mallorca with the purpose of conquering the island. Now, this was an open-field military battle between the Almohad troops that occupied the island of Mallorca and the Christian army led by King James I, also known as the Conqueror, with the aim of annexing it to the crown of Aragon in order to expand their domain. It was carried out at various points in the current uh, Sierra de la Virgilesa, uh, 
approximately halfway between the current resort town of Santa Ponsa and the city of Mallorca. Second major battle in the campaign for the conquest of the island, initiated by the Arganese king. The uh, let's see, there we go. 1309, the first siege of Gibraltar takes place in the context of the Spanish Reconquista, pitting the forces of the Kingdom of Castile against the Emirate of Granada, resulting in a Castilian victory. You know, at one point, uh, the Emirate forces controlled most of the Iberian Peninsula, and slowly the, uh, the various Spanish kingdoms took it back. 1609, Henry Hudson begins his exploration of the Hudson River while on board the Halvian. That was the name of his ship, by the way. 1634, gunpowder factory explodes in Valletta, Malta, killing 22 and damaging several buildings. One thing you, they teach you when you go to work at a gunpowder factory, no smoke breaks. 1683, Austro-Ottoman War, Battle of Vienna. Several European armies joined forces to defeat the Ottoman Empire. 1762, the Sultanate of Sulu ceded uh, Palambangan Island to the British East India Company. 1814, Battle of North Point. An American detachment halts the British land advance to Baltimore in the War of 1812. 1846, Elizabeth Barrett elopes with Robert Browning. Uh, 1847, Mexican-American War, Battle of Chapultepec takes place. 1848, new constitution marks the establishment of Switzerland as a federal state. 1857, SS Central America sinks about 160 miles east of Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. Drowns a total of 426 passengers and crew, including Captain William Lewis Herndon. Ship was carrying 13 to 15 tons of gold from the California uh, gold rush. Okay. 1885, Arbroath, 36 to 0, Bonacord, a world record scoring line, professional association football. 36 to nothing is pretty good victory. Or a major loss, depending on which side you're on. 1890, Salisbury, Rhodesia is founded. 1897, Tara campaign in the Battle of Saragarhi. 10,000 Pushtun tribesmen suffered several hundred casualties while attacking 21 Sikh soldiers in British service. Sikhs were outstanding soldiers. I had a friend who... Um, in Vietnam, I had a bunch of Sikhs join his unit, and um, they had one-track minds. He said something about moving north to relieve one of the fire bases, and they all drew their sabers and started marching north. He said it was everything he could do to stop them. Um... Nineteen oh six, the Newport Transporter Bridge is opened in Newport, South Wales by Viscount uh, Tredegar. 
1921 premiere performance of uh, Gustav Mayer's Symphony Number no. 8 in Munich with a chorus of 852 singers and an orchestra of 171 players. His uh, rehearsal assistant conductor was Bruno Walter. 1915 French soldiers rescued over 4,000 Armenian genocide survivors stranded in Musadag. 1923 Southern Rhodesia. Today called Zimbabwe is annexed by the UK. Nineteen thirty-three, Leo Slizard uh, waiting for a red light in Southampton Row in Bloomsbury and gets the idea of the nuclear chain reaction. I can see how the two would be related. Nineteen thirty-eight, Adolf Hitler demands authority and self-determination for the Germans in the Sudetenland region of Czechoslovakia. Nineteen forty, uh, cave paintings are discovered in Lacau in France. Also in 1940, the Hercule Powder Plant disaster in the United States kills 51 and injures over 200. There was an explosion of an armaments factory owned by the Hercules Powder Company in the Kinville section of Roxbury, New Jersey. 52 were killed and over 100 injured. Nobody's really sure why it blew up. Possible explanations include an industrial accident or sabotage carried out by the our Superbican Army, or by a group of German Americans living in nearby Sussex County. Congressman Martin uh, Dyes, uh, chairman of the House on American Activities Committee at the time, believed Nazi agents were responsible for the blast. After German immigrant Oskar Plaus uh, helped to connect Nazi agents with the IRA in America, Amboire agent uh, Karl Franz Rakowski was sent to the U.S., where he arranged for the IRA to carry out sabotage attacks. Kowski alleges the IRA carried out the attack on the plant. The 1940 attack on the Hercules plant followed another in 1933 that killed six people. Then in 1989, a third explosion there shattered windows across town. Well, 1942, World War II, RMS Laconia. Carrying civilians, Allied soldiers, and Italian POWs just torpedoed off the coast of West Africa and sinks with a heavy loss of life. 1942, World War II, first day of the Battle of Edson's Ridge during the Guadalcanal campaign. U.S. Marines protecting Henderson Field are attacked by Imperial Japanese Army troops. 1943, World War II, Benito Mussolini is rescued from house arrest by German commando forces led by Otto Scorzini. They had... Um, Put him in a castle up on uh, in the mountains, and Scorzini uh, led his troops in by a paraglider. 1944, World War II, the liberation of Yugoslavia from Axis occupation continues. Bahina Basta in western Serbia is among the liberated cities. 1945, the People's Republic of Korea is proclaimed, bringing an end to the Japanese rule over Korea. 1948, Chinese Civil War. Marshal Li Bao, Commander-in-Chief of the Chinese Communist Northeast Field Army, launched a massive offensive toward uh, Jinhao. Uh, Laoshan campaign has begun. 
1953, Senator and future President John F. Kennedy marries Jacqueline Lee Bouvier at St. Mary's Church in Newport, Rhode Island on this date. 1958, Jack Kilby demonstrates the first working integrated circuit while working at Texas Instruments. 1959, the Soviet Union launched a large rocket, the Lunik 2, at the moon. 1959, Bonanza premieres, the first regularly scheduled TV program presented in color. Down, did it, down, did it, down, did it, down, did it, down, down. 1961, the African Malagasy Union is founded. 1961, I saw Sawyer Flight 2005 crash near Rabat Sali Airport in Rabat, Morocco. Killed 77 people. 1962, on this date, President John F. Kennedy delivered the We Choose to Go to the Moon speech at Rice University. 1966, Gemini 11, the penultimate mission of NASA's Gemini program and the current uh, human altitude record holder except for the Apollo lunar missions took place on this date. 1969, Philippine Airlines Flight 158 crashes in Polo near Manila International Airport in the Philippines killed 45 people. 1970, Dawson's Field hijackings popped front for liberation of Palestine terrorists blew up three hijacked airliners in Zarqa, Jordan, continuing to hold the passengers hostage in various undisclosed locations in Amman. 1974, Emperor Haile Selassie of Ethiopia, Messiah of the Rastafari movement, is deposed following a military coup by the Derg, ending a reign of 58 years. For those who are not familiar with the Derg, officially the Provisional Military Administrative Council was the military junta that ruled Ethiopia, then including present-day Eritrea from 74 to 87 when the Military leadership formerly civilianized the administration but stayed in power until 91. They, uh, basically, it was a military coup. Or as somebody I know fairly well says, it's a military coup. As opposed to a sedan, I guess. 1977, South African anti-apartheid activist Steve Biko dies in police custody. 1980, 43rd government of Turkey is overthrown in a coup d'etat led by General Keenan Everin. 1983, a Wells Fargo depot in West Hartford, Connecticut is robbed of about $7 million by Los Macheteros. The Los Macheteros um, was a people's army uh, known as the Machete Wielders. It's a clandestine militant and insurgent organization based in Puerto Rico. Best salesman, the U.S. and other nations. It campaigns for and supports the independence of Puerto Rico from the U.S. 1983, the USSR vetoes a U.S. Security Council resolution deploying the Soviet destruction of Korean Airlines Flight 007. 1984, Dwight Gooden sets the baseball record for strikeouts in the season by a rookie with 276. It's previously, uh, that record was previously held by a Herb Scorer with 246 in 1954. 
Uh, Gooden's 276 strikeouts that season, pitched in 218 innings, set the, the current record. 1988, Hurricane Gilbert devastates Jamaica, turns toward Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula two days later, caused an estimated $5 billion in 1988 dollars in damage. 1990, the two German states and the four powers signed the treaty on the final settlement with respect to Germany and Moscow, paving the way for German reunification. 1990, Red Cross Organization of Mainland China and Taiwan signed the Kinmen Agreement on repatriation of illegal immigrants and criminal suspects after two days of talks in Kinmen, Fujian province, in response to the two tragedies in repatriation in the previous two months. First agreement reached by private organizations across the Taiwan Strait. 1992, NASA launches Space Shuttle Endeavor on STS-47, which marks the 50th shuttle mission. On board are May Carol Jemison, the first African-American woman in space. Mamoru Mori, the first Japanese citizen to fly on a U.S. spaceship. And Mark Lee and Jan Davis, the first married couple in space. wonder what sex in space is like. 1992, Abimil Guzman, leader of the Shining Path, is captured by Peruvian Special Forces shortly uh, thereafter. The rest of Shining Path's leadership uh, is captured as well. 1994, Frank Eugene Carter fatally crashes a single-engine Cessna 150 into the White House's South Lawn. Strikes the West Wing, no other casualties other than him. 2001, and set Australia, Australia's first commercial interstate airline, collapses due to increased strain on the international airline industry. Left 10,000 people unemployed. 2003, the U.S., the U.N. lifts sanctions against Libya after that country agreed to accept responsibility and recompense the families of victims in the 1988 bombing of Pan Am Flight 103. 2003, the Iraq War. In Fallujah, U.S. forces mistakenly shoot and kill eight Iraqi police officers. 2003, also in 2003, Typhoon Mimi. Strongest recorded typhoon to strike South Korea makes landfall near Busan. 2005, Israeli Palestinian conflict, the Israeli Disengagement from Gaza is completed, leaving about uh, 2,530 homes demolished. 2007, former Philippine President Joseph Estrada is convicted of plunder. 2007, two earthquakes measuring 8.4 and 7.9 on the Richter scale hit the Indonesian island of Sumatra, kills 25 and injures 161. 2008, the 2008 Chatsworth train collision in Los Angeles between a Metrolink commuter train and a Union Pacific freight train kills 25 people. 2011, the National September 11th Memorial and Museum in New York City opens to the public. 2013, NASA confirms its Voyager 1 probe has become the first man-made object to enter interstellar space that we know of. And in 2015, a series of explosions involving propane triggering nearby illegally stored mining detonations in the, the Indian town of Petlawad in the state of uh, Madhya Pradesh 
Killed at least 105, 150 more injured. Well, we have been talking about um, 9-11. There's been a lot of questions that have never been answered. There are many people who firmly believe it was a um, false flag attack. And there's no way to, at this late date, really know for sure. One thing that has come to light is um, a lot of our leftist, primarily Democratic officials, are regretting earlier positions. New York City has had to over cut overtime pay for police, even though it's understaffed by thousands. Crime is soaring, but the undocumented immigrants are staying in lavish hotels with swimming pools and room service. The governor of New Mexico has overruled the Constitution. She's declared a national emergency that supersedes the Second Amendment. You know, the, the problem is, in my humble opinion, we've got some complete and total morons in positions of authority. They don't think before they speak. Um, President Biden was at an international function yesterday. Finished his remarks and said, I'm going to bed. Walked out of the middle of a uh, Medal of Honor event. And the woman who led the defund the police movement in Minnesota was carjacked and immediately called the police. You know, it's fascinating President uh, Biden enraged 9-11 families by not going to memorial sites on the anniversary he's the first U.S. president in 22 years to neither spend the day at an attack site or at the White House He'd probably tell one of his stories about a fire in his kitchen that jeopardized his uh, fancy car.
We've got inflation like we've never had. And nobody seems to place the blame where it ought to be. We got Biden making a fool of this country. Um, somebody asked him about climate change, and he said anybody who doubted it was a lying, dog-faced pony soldier. That was during a speech in Vietnam. We've got senile people in Congress. I mean, Diane Feinstein may be a great woman, but you know she's long past her sell-by date. We've got another stroke victim serving in Congress who is having serious issues, but you can't say anything about it because that's just not right. And it just came out yesterday a missing doctor who apparently died, officially died during the 9-11 attacks, died the day before. It's just... unbelievable. Some of the absolute silliness that is coming to light. The economy's in the toilet. And our government lies to us, and mainstream media supports the lies. We were talking yesterday when we wrapped up about the attack on the Pentagon on 9-11. 125 people died and a large number of others were injured. Um, and what's supposed to be the most secure facility in the country? FAA records made it clear flight controllers had first put out an alert regarding the Flight 77 heading back toward Washington a half hour before it supposedly hit the Pentagon. The plane was clearly visible on radar. And we knew we were under attack. Well, anybody who raises questions about it is threatened with the loss of their benefits. I mean... How or why did the defenses, that is a very well-defended building, fail? Additionally, nobody has yet shown any proof that a plane actually hit the building. And I talked to one federal official, asked him to put it in writing because I was writing a book, and he refused. But he said 
initial investigation did not show one individual of Middle Eastern extraction among the bodies from Flight 77. Only when people started asking questions did three Middle Eastern bodies suddenly appear where they had not been before. There are 80 odd videotapes from fixed surveillance cameras at various spots in and around the Pentagon. FBI picked them up within the first hour after the attack and uh, refuses to respond to Freedom of Information Act disclosures. None of them show an airliner hitting the building. And the big explosion that devastated the Pentagon began at ground level. What does that tell you, folks? The radar record showed Flight 77 making a precipitous, aeronautically fantastic 8,000-foot dive and a spiraling three-quarter turn over Washington, D.C., before leveling off a few feet above the ground and crashing into the building. Experienced pilots said only an unusually skilled and experienced pilot or a programmed autopilot could have made that dive on such a big plane. And a supposed flight path along the ground was shown to be wholly implausible and at odds with the data from the Flight 77 black box released by the NTSB to pilots for 9-11 truth. In other words, the government story doesn't hold water. And where the bomb went off, where the plane hit, was right where... Uh, financial uh, matters were dealt with the Pentagon. And the day before, Rumsfeld announced that 2.3 trillion dollars had vanished out of Pentagon accounts. They couldn't find it. And there was no subsequent press coverage of that issue. Suits have been filed against Rumfeld and others, and friendly judges have covered the whole thing up. Friendly judges are a bane to the judicial system, let me tell you. Then if you look at the World Trade Center, which is not one building, by the way, it was a series of towers. And according to the story, two towers collapsed because airplanes crashed into them and caused fires. And the powers of B claim that they collapsed because of gravity. That the gasoline from the planes that crashed into the building was so hot it melted the uh, girders that held the building up. 
The third building that came down wasn't even hit by a plane. According to the story, both buildings disintegrated identically a half hour apart because crucial internal structure members were weakened by the fires left over from the plane crashes and the weight of the upper section did the rest. Now, if you look at the pictures, you don't see a plane fly into a building and the building falling down. You see a plane flying into a building and a big flashing explosion that results in a fire. And that jet fuel is consumed in and just after the explosion from the initial impacts, producing white smoke. But the resulting fire, that's burning draperies and desks and panels and building contents, lasts for an hour. And then right in front of, a, of you as you watched, and I've seen the video several times, there's an enormous explosion, or perhaps several explosions, it's hard to tell. 30-foot segments of the massive interior steel columns, some even square cut, collapse. And it happened twice, the exact same way. 23 minutes later, you see the North Building was actually hit first, 17 to 18 minutes before the South Tower that fell first could also go down. And amazingly, the North Tower suddenly enveloped in the same huge billowing explosion and crumbled straight down to the ground at close to free fall speed, exactly as the first one did. And these explosions were so powerful that huge portions of the building's walls and floors are blown into a heavy dust that spread everywhere. Blanketed all of lower Manhattan. Blew all the way to the middle of Brooklyn. The composite construction material, concrete, plaster, gypsum, were pulverized by these high explosions. And what else in the world could have produced the, the awful, fine, ingestible, toxic dust that lingered in the air for days and got in the lungs and sinuses of thousands of first responders and site workers who were all told, I might add, that the air was safe to breathe? And dozens of these first responders and site workers, firefighters, EMTs, People who worked in the building, police, have testified to hearing and feeling explosions inside the towers just before they collapsed, long after the planes hit. Of course, all this testimony has been ignored. New York Times went to court to get the statements released and report them, and, but never reported one iota of what people said. So the World Trade Center, at the end of the day, was blown up, massively bombed. Chunks of debris were blown hundreds of feet out from the building. If it's just collapsing, that's not going to happen. Incandescent pools of molten metal are left in the ruins, white, hot, runny, and dripping when uncovered in the wreckage and finally exposed to the air weeks after the attack. You know, there's no way in the world that the, the fires that were seen on TV before the collapse caused that. 
I'm certainly no plane crashed. Caused the stunning meltdown of World Trade Center Building 7. Also plainly evident on TV. It collapsed seven hours after the second tower fell. Building 7 descended into a well-coordinated flow, flawlessly executed, flat, symmetrical, amazing, clearly recognizable as exactly what it was. And it was explicitly recognized by each of the big three network mediators, Dan Rather, Peter Jennings, and Tom Brokaw, as a programmed sequence of explosions. People warned well before he had to get away from the building. There were reports that word was out as early as noontime that day, and even before, the building was coming down. Strikingly, there were offices of the CIA, the FBI, the Secret Service, the SEC, and all its files, and the city's disaster command post set up that morning in Building 7. All were left there, and all were completely destroyed. National Institute of Standards and Technology, the branch of the Commerce Department, formerly the Bureau of Standards, which had co-opted uh, into the 911 cover-up to provide an official source for the baseless pretense that structural members softened by fire would give way to, to cause identical collapses of the towers, waited eight years before announcing a similar fanciful story for the fall of Building 7. The absurdity of this purported explanation for the the smooth disappearance of the 47-story structure uh, remains one of the most glaring signs of cynical falsehood in the official 911 report. If you look at it from a practical standpoint, if you've got any knowledge at all, you will know, you will see, you will understand that there's more to the story than we've ever been told. No steel frame skyscraper was ever brought down by fire before 9-11 or after, and even fires that burned for hours. And these towers were massively built to stand against high winds and carefully engineered to withstand a crash by an airliner. Dust samples from at least four widely separated locations have now since suits were filed been conclusively shown to contain traces of Nanothermite, a military-grade incendiary substance, instantly burns at 5,000 degrees when ignited and cuts through steel. More than 2,100 architects, engineers, scientists, and other experts who studied the evidence have signed petitions rejecting all or part of the official government explanation for the collapse. And they all demand an independent science-based investigation that we're not going to get because our leaders don't care. There's no question but that literally dozens of increasingly pointed warnings, specifically that a terrorist attack by bin Laden's forces was imminent and likely would involve hijacking and possibly planes flown into buildings, was received by our government from various foreign intelligence services and others over the course of 2001. Before August, folks, it's also clearly established these warnings were presented to and studied one more time, studiously ignored by the high command of the Bush regime. The president himself was at his ranch on August 6th and dismissed uh, 
the entire idea is absurd. And it's indisputable that normal operation of the nation's air defense system and ground defenses at the Pentagon failed completely on 9-11. But the top commanders have never provided reasonable answers or required answers from their subordinates regarding how this failure came about. After uh, so many years of assiduous training, practice, and expense, no responsibility for the massive failures has ever been fixed. And official explanations have been palpably inadequate, contradictory, and fraudulent. 911 Commission report is particularly shot through with glaring omissions, distortions, and even outright lies. It's established beyond doubt that the warnings were ignored, leaving aside the ball-faced lie by President Bush in his interview on the with the co-chairs of the 9-11 Commission and not challenged or even acknowledged by them that there were simply no warnings. That's not true. Likewise, it can't be denied that the defense did not operate. Richard Clark's testimony that the active counterterrorism operations he supervised during the Clinton administration were basically shut down by the Bush folks in 2001. That's never been contradicted. You know, if you look at Occam's razor... The simplest, most logical explanation is usually right. So according to the story we're supposed to believe, 19 Arabs, supposedly known as terrorist suspects or associates, 15 of them from Saudi, and none of the rest from Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, Yemen, Nubia, Syria, Somalia, Iran, or any other place where the U.S. has been making war, were able to enter the U.S., live in various places, move around at will, get airplane flight training for several of them, hang out at strip clubs and whorehouses and other places of, uh, shall we say, um, borderline entertainment, and then book airline flights in groups of five under their own supposed names and board the planes with weapons all on the same morning because the anti-terrorist forces were looking the other way. Now, let me ask you this. When's the last time you were able... I can't even go in the courthouse with a pocket knife. And these folks got on airplanes with guns. The squads of high-performance fighter interceptor jets that have so expensively guarded U.S. airspace for so long, up until June of 2001, would normally scramble about twice a week. Check on wayward airliners and other in-flight emergencies going routinely from FAA phone calls to 29,000 feet in less than three minutes with a top speed of 1,800 miles per hour. They couldn't be found that morning. You know why? The orders formed to launch were withheld, delayed, and misdirected. The super-built towers exploded into enormous clouds of toxic dust and crumbled instantly into mountains of cut pillars and beams and ruined concrete and laced with pools of molten steel that were still liquid many days later because large quantities of high explosives and nanothermite were detonated inside them. This didn't happen because a plane hit the building. It's because somebody set it up to be destroyed. And there's no demonstrable evidence of airliner wreckage at the Pentagon. It's quite clear when I talked to a number of folks I used to serve with, it's obvious that a preset explosives or maybe a missile did the damage and 
80-some tapes from video surveillance cameras surrounding the building have been suppressed by the FBI to cover up the fact that an airliner did not hit the Pentagon. Debris from Flight 93 was found spread as far as eight miles from the Shankville crash site. An engine was found a mile away. And nothing but a hole in the ground at the site because the plane was hit with a U.S. military air-to-air missile while still at altitude. It wasn't brought down by courageous people charging the terrorist. I don't discount the courage of the folks on board, but officials at the highest level of our government ignored a lot of warnings of an imminent attack, planned and realized enormous military adventures and political and other benefits from its occurrence, basically a new Pearl Harbor, and were altogether uninterested afterwards in determining what went wrong with U.S. defenses or who was responsible because they were in on the plan. In the other circumstances, as Judy Berry once pointed out, you're either a conspiracy theorist or a coincidence theorist. There's a number of books written by a number of people that go into great detail about the acts and the omissions in the 9-11 attacks. Of course, it's shocking and horrifying and scandalous to contemplate this interpretation of the facts, and the, the mind recoils with loathing, invective, and unbridled ridicule about conspiracy theories and tinfoil hats, as noted. If you merely suggest such a monstrous treason, that there is an enormous body of evidence and science going far beyond what I've given here, cataloged extensively by a number of other authors and made out at links in various cases that were filed, which shows clearly, when taken with the clearly stated longing of the neocon brain trust for a new Pearl Harbor, that the inside job false flag theory is far and away the most likely explanation for what happened. And certainly for everything that happened next. All we do now, undeniably, live in a uh, grim new world that the folks behind the 9-11 attacks uh, brought about playing on the horror and trauma and fear and rage of 9-1-1 with a bogus war on terror. They started on 9-12 on this date in 2001. And we're stuck with the aftermath. It brought about a decade or more of war now expanded to five or six countries and a twice-renewed Patriot Act, a new Department of Homeland Security, torture and rendition of prisoners, targeted assassinations, officially sanctioned drone and death squad murders, negation of habeas corpus and the Fourth Amendment protections against wiretapping, black bag entries, infiltration by provocateurs, pervasive official secrecy and stonewalling, and it was, have we have learned universal government surveillance recording of all electronic communications. And all of it's compounded on enormous corruption and thievery at the highest levels. Where did those billions of dollars vanish that the Pentagon couldn't find? And wasn't that a hell of a cover-up to have the building blown up? By terrorists, don't you know? You know, all these things have become facts of our national life, comprehensively affirmed, extended, and 
defended on all sides by the successor regime of Barack Obama and now the current one, who I am told by people who work in Washington is basically having his strings pulled by Obama. Under any remotely fair and reasonable application of well-worn elementary rules of civil justice and procedure, when suits were filed about this, and there were a number filed, there should have been full discovery in a jury trial. The chance that the law be followed, though, on the specific premises of this particular case uh, should have allowed the folks that brought the suit to go forward with discovery and begin a long struggle with the government over disclosures. However, it didn't happen. The rule of law took a back seat to the rule of power and the needs of power in maintaining its rule. The determination that such a case could go forward like any other and based on concrete, good faith, factual allegations showing apparent complicity in the attack and the conspiracy would have given the plaintiffs access to all the documentary evidence, radar tapes, logs, phone and radio records and readouts and any other type of record. However, that would have been a problem for the rulership of the country, not just the culprits. Even if no conspiracy could be shown, the bungling and malfeasance was so extreme and so widespread, the indifference of top-ranked officials to finding out the causes afterwards was so clear. Honest accounting would have been unbearable. And there was really no chance it would be allowed to happen. The case that I'm involved in, I showed that the complaint actually didn't have a basis in either fact or law. But the judge, who said no ignorant pro se is going to win in my court, went with his friends. And we've had eight years of baseless litigation to try to help some crooks get something they're not entitled to. And anything I raise is thrown back in my face. It's the ramblings of an ignorant pro se litigant. I mean, in one instance, they filed a second suit in the wrong court. Well, that's just an oversight. They didn't know what court they were supposed to be in. These are some of the supposedly finest attorneys in this area, and they didn't know what court they're supposed to be in? Can you say judicial bias? Now, in regard to the suits filed about 9-11, U.S. District Court Judge uh, granted the government's motion to dismiss. We can't have this information out there in front of the public. It might upset people. Now, normally, if you come into court with a written complaint in which you reasonably allege the existence or occurrence of facts involving wrongful conduct by official defendants that cause injury, injury to the plaintiff and the loss of rights, your assertions of fact are taken as true. And you have what's known as a working case. 
Now, that doesn't mean you're going to win, but you have every right to raise the issues. Well, keep in mind, if you will, There is something called a 12B6 motion in federal court where a complaint should, uh, should be dismissed. If it appears beyond doubt the plaintiff can't prove a set of facts in support of the claim, it would entitle him to win. Uh, the Supreme Court confirmed that in 1957 in Conley v. Gibson. The state of Texas has something else called a 91A motion. And everything I showed made it very clear. You see what? It came to light that there is a group of folks here, and I'm getting off the topic, but I know, who make their living fleecing disabled veterans. Uh, they've got crooked contractors, crooked attorneys, and a couple of less than honorable judges. And as one of them said to me, we know you can get VA grants. That's free money. We're entitled to it. So we're going to sue you till you pay us. And away we went on the, the train to nowhere. And it's been going on for eight years. And on that note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about more strange and unusual things. Till then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.